0: Welcome to Hear Me Out, I'm Celeste Headley. June is Pride Month, and we're in a climate where across the nation, LGBT plus lives and livelihoods are under attack. You're almost certainly aware of the controversies brewing around Bud Light and Target, two companies that have expressed support for their queer community in recent months. And that support is not surprisingly rooted in what many call rainbow capitalism or monetizing queer culture without really supporting it. The first Pride was a protest. So in this world of rainbows and corporate sponsorship, has Pride strayed too far from its uber-progressive origin story?
1: There are so many things within Pride that takes away from the rebellious sort of counterculture nature. It shouldn't be mainstream. We are niche. Comedian and writer H. Alan Scott joins us in just a moment. Stay with us.
0: Just a heads up, this episode contains explicit language and quite a bit of it listen with caution welcome back to hear me out i'm celeste headley why are you here today darling i want my gay rights now i think it's about time the gay brothers and sisters got their rights and especially the women (laughs) (laughs) How, how will this affect you and your job Darling, I don't have a job. I'm on welfare. I have no intention of getting a job as long as this country discriminates against homosexuals. You're hearing the voice of Marsha P. Johnson, an early and iconic figure in the fight for LGBT rights. Many people say Marsha threw the first brick at the Stonewall riots of 1969. That is not actually true, by Marsha's own admission. But the work she did do with groups like the Gay Liberation Front and New York's street transvestite action revolutionaries, all that work was pivotal. We mentioned, Marcia, to remind you that the origins of gay pride are subversive. They are brash. They're often downright radical. And though attacks on LGBTQ plus rights are making national headlines now, it's worth remembering that on the whole, we have come a long way since the 1970s. Today's Pride celebrations look very different from that first one in June of 1970, when 5,000 people marched down Christopher Street in New York. In 2019, about 4 million people turned out for New York's parade, and it is now four times as large as the New Year's Eve event in Times Square. And so the question we pose today is this. Has Pride become too normal, too palatable, too much of a spectacle, maybe too commercial? Too much of everything to accomplish anything substantive. And on that spectacle front, our guest today wonders if the whole thing is just a little bit tacky. Writer and comedian H. Ellen Scott joins us to discuss. Hello there.
1: Hello. That was a perfect lead in. I love that because for a moment I was like, I don't like hate pride, but I do think it's tacky. So it's a perfect introduction. It's a perfect introduction.
0: Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I, yeah. uh, first, for those who, who don't know you, what do you do?
1: I'm a writer, comedian. I do lots of things. I'm very indebted into the queer spaces of the world, both with drag and comedy and all the things. But I also am a writer and a journalist and I host The Parting Shot for Newsweek and I do a Golden Girls podcast uh, for Mom, which is like a drag sort of podcast network, Mom Moguls of Media. Um And so yeah, I do a lot of a lot of queer things. And then I also have a gay news sort of po- news comedy podcast called You're Making It Worse with LA Glazer and Brent Sullivan, where we basically just complain about gay people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it appears, H. Allen, from what I understand, that there's a number of reasons why you feel the pride parade has become problematic. Let's start with your your strongest or or maybe the the the, the most significant reason.
1: Well, let me preface this by saying before I say anything else that I do think pride is a necessary thing within the community, within many different communities within queer spaces, and I think it is valuable for a lot of people, particularly marginalized and isolated people in communities where they don't have access to a queer life in the way that I do every single day. My entire existence is very, very queer. Everyone around me is very queer, and I know how privileged I am to live in a world where that is the case, and a lot of people don't have that. So pride is important, let me say that. However... I just think, A, there's the commercialization of pride, which I, on one hand, I understand, and I also think like the corporatization of the same sex marriage movement that happened in the mid aughts to going into like 2012, 2013, whenever it was the Supreme Court decision was made. Corporate America played a huge role in normalizing same-sex marriages, offering benefits to same-sex couples, and that led to acceptance, I think, in a lot of ways, to the marriage decision. So that's a good part of how corporate America is in the queer community. But now, with like, pride, it's become so big, so bloated, so huge, that you almost wonder, like, why am I wearing a rainbow shirt that says bank of America on it? When I bank with capital one and I don't even like them. Like it doesn't, there are so many things within pride that, It just takes away from the, like you said at the beginning in your intro, the rebellious sort of like counterculture nature. I mean, I definitely come at it like a John Waters type, like or or like a just just in that, like like RuPaul often says drag is not mainstream and it never will be mainstream. And I also think that with a lot of queer culture, it shouldn't be mainstream. We are niche. That's why. Our humor is so great. That's why our entertainment is so awesome. Is because it's not like what straight people are putting out into the. It's not Home Improvement on ABC. You know what I mean? It's like it's HBO with a lot of boobs and and penis.
0: So okay, let's. I want to stick with this commercial um, aspect here for the moment, because I mean, there's. Let me preface what I'm about to say with this, which is that I I am cisgender. I am heterosexual, and I I feel like. I don't have, um, it's not that I don't have um, standing to say anything, but really I don't. Like this is yeah. part of the queer community and I have attended pride parades and the LGBTQ plus community has welcomed me there for which I'm grateful, but this is, I don't think it's my place to mm-hmm. to say anything on this. But I'm gonna push back on a few things <laughs> from the place where I am, my yeah. heterosexual cisgender place. Yes. Which is that there seems to be a little bit of um, confusion for me, at least, in terms of commercialism. Because on the one hand, you have um, a lot of people from the LGBTQ plus community who criticize Target for pulling transgender products off of their shelves after there were complaints from a tiny number of consumers Mm-hmm. Um and um people in the queer community were like, look, you have to if you're going to put, you know, sell these products, you have to stand by the community. So how is that different than you saying that pride has become too commercial?
1: It's different, be- well, let me also just say too that I think a lot of times in within the queer community and outside the queer community, whenever there are these boycott calls, it's like Nobody is actually thinking rationally. No one is actually thinking. Literally, you'll have the the hard right being like, pull the products because they're queer. And you'll have the 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 liberal left being like, pull the products because they give money to Republicans. Like, it's just like, and then I just need milk. Like, I literally just need milk. <laughs> like, I just need to go to a place and there's a Target literally down the street. So what am I to do? I just need my lactose-free milk that's $3.29 and not $5 at the other grocery store. So like- there i have that problem but i hear what you're saying and i do think like with a space like target target is pretty inclusive with all of the holidays with all of the things that they do in terms of offering plus size stuff with terms of offering you know like anything for for black history month for women's history month they actually go hard on a lot of the months and a lot of the holidays so i do kind of agree with the queer left in that if you're going to do that for all these other months then and put those products up in center. I mean, I walked into my target and there was a whole display for women's history month. There was a whole display for black history month. So like it's, and, and, and fortunately because I live in Los Angeles, the pride display is still very much front and center when you walk into my target. And I think that there's an appropriate place for that. If the corporate culture is going to actually be inclusive of everybody and include all the holidays. And as we stand right now, there is not a month for the crazy, crazy, right. There just isn't. There's not a month for like the small TikTok warriors out there who are like, take down all of the bad things that are supporting minorities that Target's doing. Like there's no month for that. So Target's not going to have a month for that. But when there is a month, Target should consider it.
0: Let me like sort of live in this um, uh, space here for a moment, because there's also criticism for our major corporations uh donating to support like pride parades and pride events in their own, in the local communities where they have a branch or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And then you get criticism from the LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus say that six times fast community, Hmm. um, because those same corporations are donating money to say some anti LGBTQ plus legislators.
1: Yeah. I've Uh, always thought, I mean, I know exactly what you're asking because queer people, I mean, in general, I think there need, this is where the rational thinking needs to step in. This is a company. This is a very large company. This is a company with interest within, I mean, just because our, the way our government works, we have people, companies have to work with legislators, have to work with state houses, have to work with the federal government for lots of different things and they have influence. We can have a conversation about the influence of corporate America on politics. Sure. But at the end of the day, the way it stands right now, corporate America does have an influence within our politics. And yeah, I don't mind target giving money to a Republican just as much as they give. I hope they give just as much money to a Democrat as well. Like there has to be split. And I understand the need to have that sort of even handed giving based on where you are and what you're doing. And sure, there are Republicans out there who say abhorrent things about LGBTQ and they have horrible stances when it comes to women's rights and other things. There are many that are against the policies of target and target is still giving money to those politicians. And it's be, it's because there has to be sort of like a, I have to put that just like queer people for years had to put aside Democrats saying, Okay, we support gay people, but we don't support gay marriage. And we had that up until Obama. And we had to rationally say, I'm going to support this person, even though he does not support my fundamental value to marry. And I'm going to I'm going to understand that this person at least will have my back for the most part, even though he's saying that I'm a second class citizen. Do You know what I mean?
0: yeah uh, as, a, as a, a black and Jewish woman, I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's dig into a little bit more aspects of your criticisms of pride. Are, are you talking about when you say pride are you talking specifically about the parades like that very first one after the Stonewall or year after the Stonewall riots? Are you talking about th- all of the pride? you know sometimes they'll have music festivals and and mm-hmm. fashion
1: shows. Well, I'm going to step step back a little bit from what you said and correct that technically it is not a parade. It is a march. And there's a reason why it's a march because when the first one happened, it was a march for equality. It was a march for civil rights for queer people. So now today it looks a lot like a parade. Sure, And they're called
0: parade. Like if you look it up, they're called pride parade.
1: In many places they're called parades. But I think, and this is part of, I think, my own irky nature with pride in that like we need to get back to the idea of a march. We need to get back to an idea of saying we might not be the majority. We might not be all these things, but we're going to march for our rights, for equality against the things that people are saying about us. And yeah, we might not be necessarily mainstream, but this is a march for our equality, for our people to recognize and see who, and marches have that ability. They have the ability to bring people together of all different types of people and see The support that you have within your community so i think it should get back to the march element and that's probably my biggest outside of me just not liking the marches happening in the summertime because i don't like being outdoors and i also (laughs) hate 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 the aesthetic of a rainbow i think it is the worst aesthetic in the world it just grosses me out
0: into that yeah all right
1: it's just tacky to me on a purely aesthetic level i and and this is what pisses me off is that i don't like The rainbow aesthetic and I don't like being outside, but because there's so much happening against the queer community in terms of the drag bands, in terms of don't say gay, in terms of so many different things where people are attacking the queer community in a really vocal and violent way. Now I'm kind of forced to like, like rainbow stuff now I'm, now I feel like I'm, I'm, my, my hand is being, is being pulled to wear a rainbow pin or something, which annoys, can I curse? Can I say bad words yes, here? You I don't, can curse. it annoys the fuck out of me because I'm like, I don't want to wear a rainbow piece of shit thing, but because I'm so scared about what's happening to my community and what people are saying, I feel like I have to, even though I'm literally a walking pride parade everywhere I go, but I feel like I have to wear a rainbow thing just to be like, yeah, I'm with you, but I hate this thing I'm wearing, you know what i mean i i I totally
0: get what you're wearing, you what you under- yeah. what you're saying. I mean, I had a kid who uh liked certain things that I ended up having to wear t shirts or whatever
1: oh, and, yeah. and
0: you know sometimes we wear stuff we don't particularly like, but um, we have about two minutes before we take a break, and I want to go back to this idea of the march versus the parade mm-hmm. because look, I've been to a number of of pride. Events, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and um, there was absolutely nothing about protest in them. Yeah, um, nothing. They were not political. they weren't people holding. I mean, if you look back at the pictures of the very first one, that people were holding very pointed signs. They were in some type cases calling out particular politicians. Yeah, um, that's often these events are parades because they're not political because they are not part of protests.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that
0: part of your criticism that you feel like that should change?
1: I wouldn't even necessarily call it a criticism, but it is, I mean, and there's a lot of people, and I also, I think, would agree in this, that fundamentally, when you walk out the door in your marginalized self, whatever it is, being queer, being, being woman, being black, being openly Jewish, being all of the things that we can be, I think inherently, because of the culture we live in, you are already making a political statement. You are already, it is already a form of protest in order to be out in this world. And so, fundamentally, every queer person walking in a pride, thing is making a political statement. But I do think it should lean more, especially in this climate that we have, lean more into the idea of calling out who we are and saying this is who we are and we are proud and we are protesting the bans and we are protesting Don't Say Gay and we are saying no matter what you say about us, there's a great show on HBO called We're Here and in one of the episodes in Florida they were talking about the Don't Say Gay bill and all of the bans that were happening there. And they had a nice little march with the queens leading the march of people who support queer people and don't support don't say gay. And that that's what it should be. That's what it should be for me. The people coming together in a group saying we don't agree with this and we're standing with these people. And that should be the element of art. That should be the element of pride to me. That should be the basis of pride.
0: All right, we are going to continue this conversation because we have to get into that whole rainbow thing. Um, uh, I'm Celeste Headley, <laughs> and I'm speaking with H. Allen Scott. We're talking about whether or not pride parades need to either change their season, change their color uh, palette, or change altogether. Uh, this is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate, and I am Celeste Headley. With me today is H. Allen Scott, writer, comedian, many, many, many hats this man wears. Uh, But today we are talking about pride, parades, slash marches, slash events. Um, And you have raised a number of issues um, with the events, the celebrations... Um, we talked a little bit about how commercial they have become and how problematic it can be sometimes to be connected with particular corporations. Uh, we talked a little bit about the fact that they are no longer uh, um, explicitly associated with political protest or um, any kind of protest march. But let's go back to your problem with rainbows.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm happy, to, I'm happy to, to bash a rainbow any day.
0: Is that why you say that these events are tacky? Is it the rainbow?
1: I feel like the thing I just said, if I ever get super famous, they're going to use that clip only of me being like, I'm happy to bash a rainbow any day. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me just say, I, like I said before, it's just the aesthetic of a rainbow. I mean, look at me. I wear all black. My personality is way too colorful for color. I don't need all of that color in my life. And I think if you're wearing that much color, you're trying too hard. I just hate the aesthetic of a rainbow. It's just, it's, it, it, it literally is a trigger for me. It irks me. I don't know. There's just too, it's too bright. That's
0: complaints at (laughs) hallenscott.com.
1: That's, (laughs) I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I, I just, I, I will, I will support it. I'll reluctantly wear it because of this, the culture that we're in right now. However, know that when I'm wearing it, I'm actually in hell, but not because of my sexuality, because of my immense um, taste that I have.
0: <laughs> so what would you replace it with?
1: Um, That's a great question. I would replace it with more people wearing the clothes they probably want to wear but are too afraid to wear. Swear, Such
0: as? Like, for you, what would that outfit look well, like?
1: Well, I mean, so there's a lot of uh, sort of queer men and men in general, I think, who have been told that you have to wear These parts of the store, you have to only shop in this part of the store. And there's no spectrum in terms of like clothing doesn't have a gender. And I feel like because of toxic masculinity, there's a lot of people, a lot of men out there who feel like they have to wear jeans and a t-shirt, jeans and a tank top, tennis shoes only, et cetera, et cetera. And I pretty much exclusively only shop in the women's department, mainly because that's the only things that fit me half the time because they don't make a lot of plus size stuff for, for men, but also it's because I've always subscribed to the, to the school of Diane Keaton fashion. A lot of really baggy things, flowy things, hats, black, whites, beiges sometimes. And I, I would love to see more uh, sort of intersectional fashion that happens in the world. I think that would be that to me would be a lovely expression of your own identity. If wearing whatever you actually want to wear and not what you feel like society says you should wear.
0: So I'm trying to imagine this in my mind, mm-hmm. uh and for a lot of people, that would be, as you say, gray. Especially in New York. I mean, New Yorkers love yeah. a black and a yeah. gray.
1: Well, and I yeah. lived in New York for ten years, so yeah. that explains a lot about me.
0: uh That's not a stereotype. Well, it is a stereotype, but it's a stereotype based on truth. Like they've done yeah. studies. Like yeah, New Yorkers wear black a lot. Exactly. Uh, um. So the 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 event the celebration in new york might be all blacks and grays
1: i'm fine with that i mean uh, i'm also fine with nudity so if you want to wear no shirt that's fine too i mean and that goes for all the genders if you want to wear like booty shorts go out wear the booty shorts but make sure you wear a booty short that you want to wear and not what everyone is telling you to wear i think i don't know i just don't it's, I don't necessarily care that much about the rainbow. It's not like a thing I'm going to die on. It's not a hill I'm going to die on or anything. But it's also just like if I have a choice to wear anything and if I ha- like if I'm like the executive director of queer people in the world, I'm going to have the first meeting I would have as executive director. Maybe let's talk about the rainbow. Now, that said, the rainbow flag has a very important role in our history because of where it was created and the whole pro- and the, what the colors mean. And I understand all of that. I'm speaking purely from an aesthetic standpoint.
0: Okay. Um, so this brings us to another common complaint about uh, the parades, mm-hmm. um, which is when people do a, a, you know, complain about them, it's often from parents who say it's not suitable for children. Mm-hmm. And it's partly because of what you're talking about, but because of people wearing what they, I, I assume what they want to wear, which is sometimes very sexual. Yeah. Um. So w- what do you make of that? It sounds like you're, o- you're still okay with it. Should, should these well, pride events not that, be family friendly?
1: There's that whole thing. What is family friendly? First off, that's what I want to ask because the families who are complaining about pride parades, the last weekend also took them to a WWE match. So like, is that family friendly? Cause those guys are wearing a lot less than what a lot of these drag queens are wearing. And Frankly, my growing up, I was having more private relations to the guys on WWE or F or whatever it was than I ever was to anything queer. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if we want to talk about family friendly, let's talk about all the areas of family friendly. But I I don't, that whole idea and the whole conversation around grooming and everything, it makes me so angry because it's like, it's so it's so loaded, and it's so uh, intentionally homophobic and and transphobic in a way that they're saying, "Oh, I don't mind drag queens, or I don't mind the the se- just don't bring the kids around it." And it's like, but yet you're okay with your kids watching these wrestling matches and watching these things on television and playing these games that are already hypersexualized. That are and the kids are growing up fine. The kids are all right. There is nothing wrong with the kids. In fact their exposure to lots of different types of people and personalities and clothing and the way people wear those clothing is actually a good thing because it's giving them that mindset that they have all of the options to be whoever they want to be. They're all right, guys, stop freaking out.
0: Okay. So you're okay with the, you know, outfits, the, songs that get sung sometimes the very suggestible suggestive excuse me not suggestible suggestive signs people carry that's all okay
1: well what i'm no i'm not necessarily it's okay what i'm saying is it's unavoidable not just in the queer spaces but in every single space in our society it is unavoidable a child who has tiktok cannot avoid sexualization and suggestive images. They're seeing more of those images on TikTok and in other spots that they're getting entertainment than just at that one day at the pride parade. So I'm not saying it's okay, bad or good because I'm not a parent and I don't want to ever subscribe to being able to parent. And that's, what's also pissing me off is that like they're saying that drag queens are grooming children and the presence of even just a drag queen in drag is sexual in some way. When in reality, if you know anything about drag, that queen is largely fully covered head to toe. Yes. Fully covered head to toe. More there's than no, fully covered. There's nothing sexual about this person. And yet they think that that's grooming and it's pissing me off. Cause it's like, I don't want to be around kids. I don't like kids. I don't want kids in around my life. That's but complaints
0: yet, at HL- exactly. <laughs> yes,
1: But because they're saying that it's grooming and stuff, I feel the need to like be super nice to kids now just to prove a point. And it's like, It's pissing me off because now I'm being forced to wear rainbows and talk to children and be happy about children when I don't want to be any of those things because (laughs) the right is making me be those things. And if anything, the right is grooming me to be like a more inclusive homosexual. And it's making me very angry. Okay,
0: so uh, then I have to ask. I mean, again, this is a show all about civil disagreement. So let me disagree with you a little bit here and say (laughs) Perhaps you're not the best person to be deciding what the celebration should look like. I mean, oh, you're talking,
1: yeah. I would. I agree with you one thousand percent. I am not the person who should be leading anything. With, but, but that said, I do think different takes and different opinions, and that's sort of the problem with both the right and the left in terms of this conversation is that there's no, there's no gray area. There's no nuance. There's no rational thinking in terms of like. Okay, so the right is saying crazy, crazy things about queer people, crazy things. And sometimes the left is also responding in a crazy isolationist sort of way that isn't giving anybody any ground to sort of like have any middle ground and just live their life and do things. And so I kind of feel like I'm sort of in the middle being like okay, I come from Missouri. I understand crazy people who say crazy things about conservative issues. Like, I get that. Like, I've been around those people. But I now have spent the majority of my adult life in New York and Los Angeles. So I also get what the crazy left is saying as well. And all I'm saying is, can we stop freaking out? Can we stop boycotting everything? And would you just let me buy a thing of milk? Just let me buy the milk. (laughs) And then we'll have the conversation.
0: Okay. Um, So... Then let's talk about sort of why it bothers you, the state of our current Pride Month celebrations. Why does that bother you? I mean, there must be something else going on here besides the fact that you feel compelled to smile at kids instead of ignore them, wear a rainbow instead of black and gray, um, and go out in the summertime. Or, Or am I reading too much into this? Is that it?
1: That is a large part of it. I'll admit that. But um, I also firmly believe, now I understand the root of pride comes in the third Sunday of of June because of the Stonewall riots. Yes. I get all of that. I understand the point of that. I'm just saying that COVID has allowed us to be more in tune with our bodies and how we react with nature and what out, going outdoors is a whole different experience for us now. And so what I'm saying is most people are most comfortable in the fall or even, sp- I would give you spring, like in those sort of even-temperatured months. Wouldn't a pride parade or pride march be, like, beautiful if everyone was wearing a coat? Think of what you could do with coats, at pride think of what you could do in like a in like an (laughs) autumnal season with pride and the colors the colors of the autumnal season is perfect because it's like it's a full spectrum you could do you could do a rainbow you could do a rainbow but make it muted fall colored rainbows how great would that be like that is a perfect pride for me i think i think it's genius i think it's a genius idea and if anyone there's uh if glad is listening maybe start a petition that would officially change pride to a to a like an october oh my god and frankly halloween is basically pride like it's pride for straight people so like why don't we just make halloween pride and everyone would be happy everyone would be happy (laughs)
0: Okay, um, it feels like if you mute the colors of a rainbow, you're kind of uh, missing the purpose of a rainbow, but that's just me. Again, I I don't have a a pony in this race. I
1: think think you're making it more um, inclusive of all different shades. (laughs)
0: All right. Um, We're going to take a break. First, just for those to keep our listeners up to date with this. If you're not aware of the Stonewall riots, they're also known as the Stonewall uh, Rebellion. Um, That happened because of a police raid um, on a a, a gay bar, the Stonewall Inn, which is in Greenwich Village, um, which is in lower Manhattan. And actually police did raids on gay bars a lot in mm-hmm. the 1960s, um, but they lost control. Tensions grew really high. They were major protests. They went on for quite some time. That's why we had the first uh, Pride Parade in New York, Pride March, um, a year after the Stonewall uprising. And that's when people say Stonewall, that's what they mean. In the meantime, we're going to continue this conversation because there are s- there's so much more to talk about. I'm talking to H.L. <laughs> and Scott, and we're talking about Pride. Um, This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley, and today we are talking about Pride um, with H. Ellen Scott. So this leads me to another question, because Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about the Stonewall riots, you cannot talk about the Stonewall uprising without talking about police. Mm -hmm. And this leads me to another sort of confusing issue when it comes to many celebrations, because at the same time that oftentimes uh, these uh, parades and events and festivals pay money to have Mm -hmm. police protection there to prevent some of the people who openly want to do violence and do do violence against members of the LGBTQ plus community. Mm -hmm. We're talking about an event that is very much not in line (laughs) with the the police and their mission and their Mm -hmm. history Mm
1: -hmm. um
0: what is what am i a a straight person (laughs) to make of this
1: yeah it's it's such a complicated area only because i firmly believe it's just my opinion that we need to have less policing in the country and more uh alternative ways of, I mean, look at other countries models in terms of how they handle lots of different things. And a lot of times if you have social workers out there people who actually can assist with mental health capacities. You can do a lot with that and a lot less policing. So, but that's a different conversation that said, if you believe that way, if you're of the opinion that I am in terms of how we should be policing in our society. And, and if you think that, then of course it, it causes, it causes a problem for something like a pride March and a pride festivity that you're going to need security in some capacity. And how does that security look? And we all know rent-a-cops don't really do a lot. So you need kind of like a police and, and also just as a Jewish American, you know, I go to temple on Yom Kippur and there's a police presence outside in a lot of major cities. And it's only because of The attacks that are happening, currently happening, not only against Jewish Americans, but also against queer Americans and against black Americans. There's a reason why in some states in this country, because of mass shootings, that when there are large presences of church activities, they go to black churches or they go to temples or they go to whatever it is, to mosques, you know what I mean? And it's the same thing with pride in that like there needs to be an understanding that this is a... Even though you can have your political beliefs and you can have your opinions, you also have to acknowledge that there's a lot of crazy people out there who want to do a lot of harm to queer people. And so I think a muted police presence, an inclusive police presence, and we are I'm fortunate to live in a city that has a police force like in West Hollywood that is inclusive, and they put that as a as a factor in terms of how they police. Now, of course, there are problems with West Hollywood's police department, but that said, that at least they're at least understanding of the nature now a lot of cities don't have that but i understand the need for police there but i also believe that we need less of a police presence in our daily lives in general um so it's 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 so complicated and such a thorny issue but i sort of again get into that sort of middle area of rationalizing i don't like what's happening with the police policing in america but i understand the need for them being at pride
0: yeah it is thorny and and it can be confusing um, because at the same time that uh, there are legitimate complaints about interactions between police forces and members of the LGBTQ plus community, especially trans people, yeah, the, the, the police unions themselves are, are among the first to say, you complain about us, but you're the first to ask us for protection against yeah. other people.
1: And we need, I mean, and, and that's the problem because we also have, like, just recently there was a trans activist who was arrested during a protest by, and so there, there's a lot of problems with policing in the United States and how they react to, (laughs) and how they react to, to lots of different situations. And we need a larger discussion about policing, which is a, which is very separate from their need for presence at the Pride, at Pride festivities. And the only reason why fundamentally, they need to even be at Pride. I don't need them walking around with a rainbow pin on or anything. I don't need that. I don't even want them standing in line for a hot dog with me, even though I'd be in hell because I'd have an umbrella trying to block myself from the sun, like all of the things, but I'm going to get the hot dog. I I don't need them around my hot dog enjoyment. I want them in the corners, making sure that the crazies don't come in and try to do something horrible, horrible, which we know, because of the world we live in right now, At large-scale events, when large people gather, crazy things can happen, and we need protection from those crazy things happening.
0: Okay, but because of all the things that you're talking about, I have to bring it back to politics, Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, coming from my position, um, it feels to me like those pride parades and events and celebrations are necessary. Yeah. That... You know, Mike Pence is is running for president. Uh, we know Trump is running for president again. There's a lot uh, that Ron DeSantis um, is running for president. Uh, there are politicians who want to really restrict, if not endanger, the entire LGBTQ plus community and especially particular parts of it. So however pride happens and whatever color palettes it uses, we need it, right?
1: I, I, yes, I, and like I said at the very beginning of this, I think that there is a, especially for a lot of people, I'm thinking of people in, I remember when I was in St. Louis, and I would go to the gay bars, and I come from a Mormon family, I'm Jewish now, but I was raised Mormon, and I, I, I come from a pretty liberal Mormon family, but I would go to, like, the drag shows downtown, or to the gay bars downtown, and there were some people who would drive literally two hours just to come to a gay bar, like from middle of nowhere, Illinois or middle of nowhere, Missouri. And that always sort of stayed with me and, and sort of sits with me because I recognize that there is a need that the life that I live, the inclusive life surrounded by queer people that I live is actually pretty rare for most Americans, for most queer Americans. And, we need that outlet. We need more spaces of inclusivity. We need more spaces where queer spaces that people can go to and feel like they can let their hair down, literally wear whatever they want to wear and do what they want to do. And pride, unfortunately is the only option for a lot of these people because it's the only thing that happens every single year that they can drive to and have, and be around queer people. And what I'm hoping for is in the future, There's a lot more inclusive spaces so that maybe that dude who drove two hours from the middle of nowhere, Illinois, might have something a little bit closer to home that he can go to on a weekly basis and feel better about his own identity.
0: So what is the obligation of the heterosexual community then? Do we step back and let um, your community decide how, when, where, why? Or do we have a responsibility to show up? for
1: those events you all also are pretty fucked up i mean straight people like they you guys you guys are so opinionated and it's just like <laughs> shut the fuck up watch your 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 tim allen shit or whatever you're watching and like just be calm for a little bit and let us do our thing and you're welcome to come do our thing with us just know that like you need to be respectful and maybe stop asking questions about like You know, stop asking trans people, have you had the surgery? Or stop asking drag queens what they think about Drag Queen Story Hour or or any of the things. Like, just be chill, dude. Eat the fucking hot dog. And like, you know walk around and have fun and be included and just accept it all and then just calm the fuck down and then when you go home tell your friends oh i went to this pride thing and it was lots of fun i went to this gay bar and it was lots of fun and not like you'll never believe what i saw like we're not a clown act we're not a circus act that doesn't need you don't need to go back and tell this shocking thing because it's not necessary just be chill
0: So I have a lot of thoughts, and a little it's a little difficult for me because I'm not afraid to to give my opinion. I mean, my opinion is I I like a rainbow. I like most children, and I love a pride parade. Like I think they are so fun. I I I don't want to just buy the hot dog, I buy the pom poms, I put on my rainbow gear, and I have a really good time. Um, on the other hand, this is about the LGBTQ. Community, and though I I support them and um, love them and want nothing but the best for them, not just safety but joy, this isn't my fight right? Like this isn't my community and they should be allowed to make the decisions for themselves. So that brings me to you, dear listeners. Um, What do you think about this? Especially if you are a member of the LGBTQ plus community, especially if you have been concerned about things that have occurred politically. Maybe you are one of our listeners who supports some of the changes like the Don't Say Gay Bill. Maybe you're concerned about having a pride parade march down the street in your town. We want to hear that point of view. We want to hear all these points of view, um, and we hope that you send us some emails. On that note, we want to share this note. We received it from a listener named Annie, and it was about the conversation we had with Gio Mar a few weeks ago. He talked about the future of policing. So though we got this note a few weeks ago. Annie mentioned an issue that we just talked about in this episode. Annie wrote this. I could not agree more with Giomar. He was absolutely right that feel-good stories of cops doing the right thing are exceptional. I'm horrified by what seems like a complete abdication by progressives and liberals to hold anyone accountable. 400 million guns are carried by people who have no reason to believe they'll face consequences. Target is letting neo-Nazis dictate what they sell. SCOTUS is blatantly and unapologetically corrupt. I'm so sad for American youth. I'm afraid there is a high risk for extremely violent future and police continue to be a key driver. Uh, First of all, Annie, please make sure that you are taking care of yourself because you sound anxious (laughs) and it's understandable. Um, Thank you for your note. And it brings us back to this subject that keeps coming up again and again and again, which is that we're living in an age in which extremists have a bigger and louder voice than they have for a very, very long time. And how we deal with that and how we respond to that as a society is not only important, but also a little bit complicated. So, you know, don't just respond to what you heard from H. Allen Scott. Let us know what you think about what Annie said. Um, we love hearing from listeners. And again, our email address is hearmeout@slate.com. Hear Me Out is a podcast from Slate. The show is produced by Maura Curry. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations. And Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. So until next time, speak your mind, but keep it open.